0: Interchangeable White Ladies. Uh, welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Today's essential question is what should white parents do to equip their children to understand the functions of race in order to combat racism? Um, Our
1: our guest today is Malia Jacobson. She's the author of the column Beyond Tolerance for Parent Map. If you're not familiar with Parent Map, it's a great magazine. Uh, You should check it out. Uh, Malia Jacobson um, is an award-winning health and parenting journalist and mom of three who contributes regularly to more than 120 national and regional publications and has written two books on sleep. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. We're super excited
0: to have you here. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about kind of your background and where you're from originally and how you started uh, doing this work?
2: Sure. I'm originally from Tacoma here. I grew up in the Olympia area and then moved back here in 2008 after college and all that stuff. And I started writing as a freelancer Mm -hmm. a a little over 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of juggling new parenthood and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to make it all work and Freelancing was something that um, I had the background in as a journalist, um, and was able to do that. Kind of somehow juggle my daughter and and raising kids, and it it was a great way to, I felt dive back into the Seattle Tacoma community after being gone for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, nice, that's
1: awesome. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, um, what do you love about Tacoma? Like, what do you what what made you feel like you wanted to come back? Like, what is it? What's special about our community?
2: Tacoma just feels like home to me. My earliest memories are of the scratchy old um, wading pools in the parks and the Mm -hmm. cold, cold water and the zoo and being on the waterfront with my parents. And um, as I'll talk about later, my parents had a law practice in Hilltop and our first home was in Hilltop. And Mm -hmm. I just it just felt like home to me. There just wasn't Mm -hmm. anywhere else that I could see myself. And then, of course, also. You know, we have – I felt like coming back here, I didn't really – you know, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. And Tacoma gives you access to so many places um, on the peninsula, up Mm -hmm. and down I-5. And so Mm -hmm. I just – it's a great location, um, but mostly it's just home.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So your bio mentions a little bit about the idea of parenting journalism. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what that is and how you started um, in journalism as a whole and this branch off? Or is, I'm assuming it's a kind of a subcategory?
2: Yeah, I guess so. Of- yeah. Um, I st- I went to journalism school at WSU and my – but I didn't think that I would go into journalism. Mm-hmm. I thought um, there's just no way for – I just didn't see myself doing that as uh, for a living. Um But I fell into an opportunity where I was editing a magazine for my college, our college's Mm -hmm. alumni magazine. And through that experience, I was hiring freelancers. So I started to understand how that process worked. And then when I became a parent, I just started writing about the things that were interesting to Mm -hmm. me. So the questions that I had, you know, Mm -hmm. the things that I wanted to know. And parenting journalism gave me an opportunity to Call doctors, you know, yeah. call, call yeah. experts and ask them questions. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably, I was coming away with more information than I could use in any specific piece. And so I would think about, well, how can I make ah. that available then? Um, if I want to know it, if I have a question, then someone else has the same question. Mm-hmm. So how can I keep using that? So it is, I guess, it's kind of a subset of, mm-hmm. you know, but, I mean, it's just it's just reporting. It's yeah. just asking questions yeah. and getting the answers. Mm-hmm. When
0: you think about that experience, I'm curious, um, or your experience doing it, wh- I'm curious, what is some of the – like you went into this story and you thought it was going to go one direction and it took you somewhere else that was really interesting or surprising?
2: Yeah, there's one that I always think of, and it's wh- um, when I was reporting on toy guns. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, whether there's, you know, just – what happens when a white progressive or any progressive parent, their kid gets a gun, mm-hmm. a toy yeah. gun, and we freak out? and you know, or the what's informing those responses, and how is that really shaping our kids? And I went into it thinking, you know I, I'm, I um, don't I don't own guns. Um, it's uh, and I thought that I would come away with a perspective that um, I thought I would come away with a certain perspective. And in talking to experts, I, I actually learned that, um, playing with guns is uh, a con- gun play is developmentally normal and healthy mm. for kids, and that in denying this um, natural instinct to our children, that that we may actually be um, bringing up shame and some other things, mm. and um, how gendered our responses mm. can be to That's gun play as yeah. well. Because um, when a little boy picks, you know, picks up a hairbrush and pretends to shoot people with it, uh, we don't like that. We're gonna freak out. The response that he's going to see is going to tell him that this instinct is bad and shameful and that he needs Mm -hmm. to hide it. But um, why is that different from when a little girl picks up a lasso or a wand? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, are these things really different? They're just um, instruments of power that are being employed to control people Mm -hmm. because kids don't have any control over their lives. And Mm -hmm. so it's really um, kind of that was one where I wrote an article that was completely different than the piece that I Mm -hmm. um, set out to write or that I thought I was going to write. But that often happens. I think mm-hmm. um, that as a journalist, because I came to writing as a journalist and not as an essayist,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, that my work has always been about finding the story mm-hmm. or finding out the truth and the information that's there instead mm-hmm. of um, elevating my viewpoint. It's really what what are the experts saying? Mm-hmm. What are other people saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that um, interact with you know, with the way that I feel, but often kind of trying to separate those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to present the information. Mm -hmm.
0: did that piece or um are there other pieces that you think of that shaped your own parenting choices like i'm curious what what you kind of did with that information for your own personal oh gosh
2: all of that like everything yeah Yeah, (laughs) everything and then i'm like oh my gosh i learned so much everyone has to know this Um,
0: (laughs) like do you Uh, talk with gun talk about guns with your kids in a different way because of that oh
2: yeah it's Um, well it's changed the way that i think about even when i'm you know or around my kids friends or mm -hmm. things like that where i'm like okay if you're gonna chew a piece of toast into a handgun you know you know like (laughs) that that was an example that somebody gave me when I was reporting that piece Ah. well like you can take toy guns away from kids but then you'll find that they start creating them out of these other things because it's just it's just representative of power it's just a tool that they use to feel powerful and so yes it changed the way that I thought about and and responded to the Mm -hmm. things that my kids were doing like instantly Like, and I was like, okay, so this was something that I didn't know, and now I
0: know more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, that's so cute. Yeah, Uh, your kids are, you have a couple kids, right?
2: I have three. Yeah. So they're um, about to turn six, uh, nine, and 12. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: That's great. Um, I just kind of explained, I think when I introduced you in the beginning, I said Parent Map was awesome, but I'm wondering if you can explain for folks um, who maybe aren't familiar with the. Because I have a son, and so parent map is like you know it's around um but <laughs> for folks who either don't have kids or aren't familiar with the magazine what what's it's what is it what's it for?
2: who's it for? Sure, parent map is for parents in western Washington, and I don't know the exact timeline as far as when it was founded, um but There's writers up and down, you know, the I-5 corridor in um, western Washington. And for a lot of people, a lot of people come to Parent Map because it's actually – there's a lot of content on activities and Mm -hmm. things to do. So that's really where – it's a map, you know. There's kind of that. Um, aspect where people are finding activities and different things to do, story times and events, and there's a lot of that listings kind of, of
1: parks, uh, parks and reviews mm-hmm. of like indoor playgrounds. Yes, and, really yeah.
2: well known for that, and yeah. that's the kind of information that as a parent you just need. like yeah. you're just like, I need this. <laughs> I need something to do today. So I think a lot of people come to it from that, and hmm. I a lot of people find my work because there was a piece that I wrote for them a long time ago about doing an urban hike over the Narrows Bridge because oh, yeah. everyone knows that you can walk across, but a lot of people don't know. Well, how do you get onto that path like you know it's like how did the people get there so i wrote this piece and that's the one thing that everyone says oh i found that like that's how i found you (laughs) because a lot of people will look that that kind of thing up but parent map is you know tackling a lot of really weighty topics and they've written features for them on um, suicide and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. losing a child and and divorce and co-parenting and you know there's all Mm -hmm. sorts of things that they're Mm -hmm. they're really tackling issues that a lot of Parenting publications don't, and I know mm-hmm. that because I work with hmm. many, many parenting publications across the country. So Parent Map is um, a great resource um, for us here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, one of the things I think when I met you, um, you were looking to write about colorblindness and and kind of talking about delving into that originally. Mm-hmm. And so there was like some tags on Facebook, and then right. um, when I went onto Parent Map's website, I noticed um, they have like a specific kind of declaration so I'll just read it and then I'm curious about if you can tell us a little bit about the backstory there um, and it says in 2019 parent map is dedicating consistent thoughtful coverage to cultivating tolerance we will rally partners and experts to help us deliver practices and powerful tools perspectives and tips for parents and educators for teaching empathy equity acceptance respect and inclusion to our children uh, that language is really powerful and strong can you talk a little bit about why 2019 what's the shift and then you, you have a column now beyond tolerance
2: right right Um, So last year, we saw an uptick in hate crimes in Mm. Seattle, and Mm. that was reported on pretty widely. And I think the column and the focus area for 2019 was born out of this, okay, so what do we do? Like, Mm. what can we do with this? Everyone feels this. Um, sadness, this heartbreak, this outrage, and, mm-hmm. and as parents, how can we move forward? But also kind of a temperature gauge on, well, where are we, really? Because when you really start talking to people in the equity space, you hear that the Pacific Northwest is not this, um, <coughs> yep. you know, it's, it's not as as friendly and accepting as we like to think that it is. Mm-hmm. And every new generation of parents has to come into mm-hmm. this in their own way. And so, you um, You are going to interact with this um, topic area differently when you have kids than when you don't Mm -hmm. sometimes um, or you're going to see things in a different way. And so as uh, new parents continue to come into the fold and and start to discover this kind of um, content, the urgency was really what – how do we move forward? Mm -hmm. Um, Where are we now and how do we move forward? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And so your um, Beyond Tolerance column, you, you mentioned you were a little bit reluctant to start writing in this way. To do it, way. yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that journey?
2: Yeah. I, as you mentioned in my bio, my background is writing health and parenting. I've done a lot of writing, though, I think in, the, in equity and foster parenting and mm-hmm. adoptive parenting. And I think my work started to shift in that direction mm-hmm. um, as well. And so I think that's the, you know, I, I think – I was approached to do this column, and I felt like, okay, I've done enough reporting in this space to know that there are so many other people who Mm -hmm. could do an excellent Mm -hmm. job at this. So why should I do it? Why shouldn't some of these other people do it? Um, There's many, many people working in this space that I felt maybe had more expertise, had a, a broader perspective. And I also felt like everyone feels that I'm too busy and doing too much and we're always being coached to say no to everything, right? Like, <laughs> you yes. say yes, say no, say no, you're killing yourself. Like So I think my instinct was, OK, you know, maybe, you know, I, I just I thought about it. It was a lot to think about. Um, and in having this discussion, too, it was like, well, I don't want to call it. Tolerance because tolerance is not enough. Mm. Tolerance is mm. the bare minimum. I'm not going to do it unless we can call it beyond tolerance because we really need to be pushing beyond where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as part of that discussion, um, I think ultimately, and I talked a little bit about this in our interview, I have a daughter that's in middle school now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so she's going to school now as a sixth grader in a different environment than she was in fifth Mm. grade. And she's experiencing different things and having different questions and we're having different discussions. And this um, conversation with Parent Map about taking on this column took place at a time when I was also having these discussions with my daughter and thinking about things that she was experiencing and just realizing that I don't get to opt out Mm. of this Um, and that – Um, What a privilege it is to be able to just say, well, I'm going to let somebody else do this. You know, I don't need to. And and just because I'm you know, and I didn't want to feel like I was somebody that was, you know, that I was going to be centering whiteness or that I was going to be projecting this perspective um, that I'm an expert and that you need to listen Mm -hmm. to what I have to say. Um, But then I realized that. Um, some of this work just does need to be done by white parents Mm. like we cannot ask parents of color to be doing this Mm -hmm. education for us they they have a lot going on you know we just can't do that and as as a parent of white kids in the pacific northwest i have things that i'm seeing and experiencing and that might help or inform other parents Um, and that also as i said before it's about talking to other experts and mm. really elevating their perspectives, mm. Mm. not necessarily my own. So in that, um, in light of those things, um, I decided to go ahead and uh, take this journey. Cool.
1: Yeah. We're glad you did. The columns have been, the columns have been really great. Uh, one thing that you mentioned in your column about um, moving from colorblind to color brave. I think, I don't mm-hmm. know if I said that mm-hmm. title exactly yeah. right, but... Um, are some of the kind of research about child development, in, especially in young children, um, what is it in young kids? Like how early do kids notice racial difference and how soon is too soon or not soon? And I guess like mm-hmm. when should you start having those conversations with your children? They notice racial differences very, very early. I think um, that is
2: important for parents to know because it takes away, I think it's discouraging in some sense to know mm-hmm. that your child, no matter what you do, is going to be in this racially, you know, in this racial environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but to me, it's it's encouraging because it diffuses some of that individual shame that we feel around racism yeah. where we can say our children mm-hmm. are being born into this environment. Mm-hmm. And so they notice racial differences, to answer your question. Um in the earliest months of life, mm-hmm. research shows that they will notice differences between their um, faces of their own race and faces, uh, facial characteristics of other races, um, but that they will also show preference mm-hmm. um, very, very early in life. And then mm-hmm. um, so pre-verbal children we see in just kids that are a few months old um, and then by the time they're three um, – they're they're verbal and they can start verbalizing these things. So there's research on three year olds as well. Um, So very early. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So then in thinking about that, because I often teach and talk about how I mean, racism is taught (laughs) uh, and passed on. So thinking about the science of, you know, kids noticing these things but they're being born into these racialized environments that already have notions around not just preference, but like superiority. I mean, right. how do you, how do we wrestle with that? And um, you know, what does that mean for parents in terms of making the choices to, is it simply as like having a lot of different types of faces around your child when your child's, you know, young and then kind of like teach, does that make sense? Like I'm thinking right. about like the teaching versus like what's, what's um, innate. Mm-hmm. I don't
2: know. Yeah. So I think something that I think about um, is that uh, – so Poe Bronson and Ashley Merriman, who wrote Nurture Shock, they mm-hmm. wrote about the diverse environments theory. So mm-hmm. that, and that's something that's really relevant to us here in the Pacific yep. Northwest because progressive white parents, we like to put our kids in environments that we feel are diverse. Yeah. And we <laughs> feel that if we put our child in this – culturally uh, sensitive preschool mm-hmm. program and we take them to the right festivals and we r- have the right books in our homes that yeah. we don't have to talk about these things and that mm-hmm. the children our kids will absorb our values like biosmosis uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah right yeah. and yeah. that we don't you have to it, talk about fine. these yeah. things yeah. but um that so their theory states that you know um when kids are in diverse environments the environment becomes the lesson mm-hmm. and so we have to look really hard at the environments that our kids are in from a very early age, and I and I mean, not just checking the box because there are children of color in your child's preschool class, right. but really looking hard, and that means observing as much as you can um, the the interactions that are taking place because. That is the lesson that your child is internalizing mm-hmm. as early as, you know, their toddler and preschool years. So mm-hmm. how are how are children interacting together on the playground? Are the children of color playing primarily together? Or, you know, what, mm-hmm. what does inclusion really look like mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis? What are they really seeing? Yeah. Um, because those environments are going to be what they're
1: internalizing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, hmm. For that preschool age, um, for preschool age kids... And younger in the home, what are some good resources? Like, are there? I'm not necessarily even asking for specifics, but are like uh, books and stories a good way to start with with your kids? If they're, I know a lot of parents, especially if their kids are in like small setting daycares, maybe not. Like my son's in a daycare center, mm-hmm. and so he has his classes. His class is really diverse, um, racially diverse. But um the, you know, for folks, I, I have some friends who they have an in-home daycare setup, and it's like their neighbor. With her kids and then their right. kids, right? So, what are some good approaches in the home to to increase exposure to, yeah, different different races and different perspectives? Um, I think books and stories are a great place to start,
2: and the June column actually is all about that topics okay. because they oh, did cool. a whole uh, we did a whole. F- feature I guess or a whole whole issue around books and reading and it was really fun because there's always new books to check out and Mm -hmm. that is it makes it really approachable and um, something that sparks conversation in kind of a neutral way and then as your when your kids are younger it's a Mm -hmm. great way to introduce the topics Mm -hmm. when they're older it's a great way to get around that like "oh, mom not again you know like that kind of thing too (laughs) so there's so many ways to use books and stories and we do have a list of those Sweet. books and stories at Paramap. Um, and then the column I think will uh, – the June column will be coming out in the, the um, last days of May. So there's so much here in the Pacific Northwest that we can talk about just with our region's mm-hmm. history yeah. around yes. – um, around these topics and around the racial tensions that exist here in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. And with my son, I mean, he's he's still little. He's five. Mm-hmm. and But we've talked about these things because you can follow your own kids' interests, and yeah. he is really into geography. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked about... So, you know, he wanted to talk about um, why the artwork that he was seeing on totem poles looked different from mm-hmm. the artwork that some of the other artwork that we saw and where did mm-hmm. that come from and we talk about indigenous people and who lived here first and and mm-hmm. and why these things happened and I think as um, progressive parents we can become so wrapped up in our emotions and mm-hmm. things get so sticky and we're sad and we don't want to talk about these things but I think there's a truth that exists outside of our emotions yeah, of things that are good. just true yep. you know that, Our country has a long history of oppressing people who are not white. Um, Our region does as well. There were people who lived here before we did, and this is where they live now. Mm -hmm. These are the things that have happened to them. And there's a way that we can talk about that Mm -hmm. with our kids, even young kids, without making it this huge thing. Like, we just sometimes have to tell them the things that are true, Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know. And my son wanted to know, um, you know, why is Hawaii part of the United States? And so we talked about that, you know. I mean, there's just things that are true Mm -hmm. that – I can talk to him about and and not have to make it this big huge thing you know I mean Mm -hmm. that layer that creates Mm -hmm. this layer based Mm -hmm. on something that he's interested in that we can I think build on Mm -hmm. later I think with a lot of things and this is true of many um, sticky topics that parents want to avoid with their kids talking about sex and talking Mm -hmm. about you know all these drugs and you know all Mm -hmm. these things where sometimes you just start with the basic pretty basic facts and you follow mm-hmm. their questions in an age appropriate way. Yeah. And then later on, you know, you can layer on the more relational and emotional mm-hmm. aspects of it. Um, but sometimes when you're stuck as a parent, it's because you're getting stuck in your own emotions, right. you know. And your
1: own maybe your own knowledge base feels limited and so you won't have that initial conversation yeah. with your kids, right. but in reality, you like need to,
2: <laughs> well, and you can always say, yeah, absolutely, and and because we want, um, we think we don't know enough. We mm-hmm. we want to leave it to the experts. So right, yeah. yeah so let's wait for their um, cultural diversity assembly yeah, at school, right. yeah. and let's go. Maybe you know we'll we'll watch a show or something like that. You know, we want to leave it to other people because we're afraid that we're going to mm-hmm. do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. Your kids think you know everything, mm. so I think it's you know they will be. Satisfied if you say, "Well, I don't know. Let's go look that up yeah. together." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right. and and I do that all the time because I mean, our poor Alexa, like <laughs> because because <laughs> you just have to, you know, yeah. your kids are like they want this information, and you're like, you yeah. know what, this yeah. is what I know. Yeah. And sometimes you can just say, "This is what I know right now," and then yeah. maybe you with an, a little mm-hmm. a child that's mm-hmm. a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that you can come back later and say, you know, when, when we talked about that before, yeah. I wasn't quite ready. Yeah. But, you know,
1: here's what I here's what I think. Yeah. And that models yeah. models learning for them, too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I don't know all the answers and that's OK. Right. right. Which is great for them um, to see right. that example of, oh, sometimes even adults don't know the answer. Yeah. And that's right. fine. Like yeah. you have to go look for information. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: Well, this makes me think of a couple things like I really appreciate what you're saying about. Uh, removing the emotion that's attached because I think sometimes I wonder, I don't know if it's true, but I wonder if um, kind of this notion of like not knowing something. And then as adults, sometimes these issues we became aware of them. We ourselves learn way um, when we are way older. Right. And so they're they can be very charged with like whatever that conversation right. we had with somebody we care about or, you know, sure. in a college class or whatever. And so then we're dragging all of that rather than mm-hmm. being like, this is, this is the facts. Like this is the reality. And those things are emotional, because um, I also don't want to pretend like, you know, whatever, genocide's not emotional or like talking with – I hear about from black parents, you know, having the conversation about like the police um, and how to respond to the police, right? But at the same time, I think you're right, like removing our own personal – like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I can't talk to this with my with my child rather than being like, well, here's this, – this is how life is. And I love your point about like exploring two together with your kid.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be just one conversation either. There yes. can be a conversation yeah. where yeah. – your child asks you a question and you feel overwhelmed and yeah. then maybe presenting it more in, in a factual way in yeah. the beginning mm-hmm. and then coming back and saying, okay, now here's here's a little bit more about why I feel the way I do or mm-hmm. what's informing my background. This is the way that I mm-hmm. learned about this, but now here's how you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean with my daughter in, in middle school, we have had to talk about – you know, um, the ways in which her classmates of color are going to interact with Mm -hmm. the police um, and with law enforcement, then it's going to be different than the way that she will interact with the police and the way that she'll experience that through her Mm -hmm. life. And Mm -hmm. that's just true, you know, and and it is emotional as well. um, But with, at least with my child, um, there's definitely the the um, tendency to overwhelm with a lot of you know when something feels too emotional sometimes they disengage from it a little Mm -hmm. bit where they're like oh this is like too much mom you know and so um, you know some of it is just going to go over their heads I think if we try and just pour on this like um, you need to care about this as much as I do like you know (laughs) yeah
1: right
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting to think about. I am reminded of a friend of mine. um, And also just think about like, you're talking about different parents having the conversation with their kids and then relatives, like your recent piece around relatives. Mm -hmm. So good. You want to talk a little bit about how that came about or?
2: Yeah, that was, I think, one where we were just brainstorming topics and Mm -hmm. my editor, um, Patty Lindley, was like, you know what, let's do this one because this is something that so many of us deal with. Mm -hmm. um, And we live in a predominantly white region. And most of us have white relatives and grandparents and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so we are taking that on. And I think a point that I made in the article was, you know, you might uh, think about these things completely differently when they happen <coughs> in the presence of your kids, where yeah. you might just tolerate that uncle at Thanksgiving because, you know, it's like you're not gonna go there. But then mm-hmm. it starts happening in the presence of your kids and all of a sudden you feel differently. It changes everything. At, at a yeah. time in your life when you also have so much less bandwidth to deal with it. You know, like <laughs> you're literally like juggling, you know, yeah. all these things. You, you have kids Cheerios in your hair and you're hair like, and you're like Wait, What do I <laughs> what is
1: my yeah. yeah. and
2: yeah, and I'm and I always um, gosh, I always think, oh, God, I could have said something different yeah. or I could have been mm-hmm. better. I'm being horrible. Like, you know, and then it's just all these, you know, it, it's hard.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard. I really love um, this line, actually, in your piece. It says, raising children who champion equity means means countering racist beliefs within family systems despite the difficulty and discomfort that comes with doing so. Um, it just says it, right? We have to do this. As you mentioned earlier, about privilege and the ability to opt out of things um, and choosing not to opt out.
2: Yeah. And I think I know for myself that I um, – it's when you're comfortable, it's hard to do anything. You don't want to. You don't mm-hmm. have to. And so I will let myself opt out if I can. Yeah. Um, and that's not – I'm not a bad person. I'm just a person. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that's just how we are. Yeah. And so I think sometimes – When I talk about talking to your kids about race, there's this other layer behind it of, like, we'll do – okay, but why even do that? Like, why do you Mm -hmm. even have to? So then you kind of have to back that up Mm -hmm. too because people won't do something unless they have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just saying that from my own personal experience. You know, Mm -hmm. we're we're all busy. And so, yeah, it's – I think if you kind of frame it in terms of, well, yes, so – this is something that we have to address. And so, how are we going to do that mm-hmm. instead of, mm-hmm. oh, but maybe
1: like, let's just not. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break and okay. then we'll talk more. Excellent. Hi, Hope. Hey, Annie. Hey, did you hear about this Channel 253 membership promotion? Anyone who is a current member of Channel 253 as of June 17th, 2019 will be entered to win air travel for two anywhere Alaska flies.
0: Yes, this is so awesome. I'm so excited. It reminds me of the golden ticket Charlie wins to the Chocolate Factory.
1: That's what I thought too, but this is way better because the Chocolate Factory doesn't have a fruit and cheese platter or free in-flight texting. You're right, you're right. Also, the flight attendants
0: are way better at customer service than those Oompa Loompas. True. It's really cool that some member of Channel 253 is going to get to fly anywhere Alaska goes. Okay, where would you go? Ooh, probably somewhere where the patriarchy has been smashed and everyone acknowledges the intersectionality of our combined fight against injustice. Mm-hmm, so basically that island where Wonder Woman is from. Right, exactly. Doesn't Alaska
1: fly there? No, but they do fly all across the West Coast, the United States, to Alaska of course, and to some great destinations in Mexico. We should know that. After all, we, we fly Alaska. Alaska! To sign up for a Channel 253 membership and be eligible to win, visit Channel channel253.com slash Alaska before June 17th. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you
0: Alaska Air for your support of Channel 253 and for sponsoring this really cool thing. If you just can't wait for the contest to end, visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight right now. And we're back. We're back. Before we jump into our conversation, um, I want to let all of our listeners know that you should be reading. You should be reading a book called White Rage by Carol Anderson. Uh, It is our next IWL book club. Hashtag read less basic. So go pick it up. Download it. I actually listened to it really quickly um, Mm -hmm. on the airplane on audiobook um, format. And it was fantastic. So please read it. um, Post your comments, questions, insights, anything that makes you go, what? And then also I want to encourage folks um, to look up the hashtag clear the the air Twitter chat that was also around this book. It's fantastic. It'll get you thinking about things in a different way
1: Mm -hmm. as well. So Malia, what's the risk in parents not talking to their kids about race?
2: So what happens when parents don't address these topics with their kids is we see in research that our children are absorbing stereotypes Mm -hmm. in their environment, um, whether we know it or not, whether we want them to or not. And what tends to happen is that kids are socialized around race passively and reactively. Mm. So mm. we see that kids um, only hear about race and uh, have racial conversations when they feel that when, – when they've done something wrong, when they've said something wrong. Huh. Um, and then that comes back to them in this <gasps> – Oh well, we don't say that. That's not mm. something that we say, and so that is something that. Um, so, so they they learn this sort of institutionalized taboo that we don't talk about mm. race, which is something that really just protects um, racism. Actually, mm. yeah. you know, and so it's, and I don't want to sound preachy or scary, but when we embrace that silence, we are really upholding a tenant of white supremacy. Breach. And and so we really have to try and resist that and feel the fear and feel Mm. incompetent and just Mm -hmm. try and do it anyway. Mm
0: Yeah, that's good. I'm just, like, over here, like, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, like, I'm, feel, yeah. I'm feeling yeah. very spongy today. Yeah. That was, You're like, right. that's, right. absolutely. Yeah. That's spot on. And I, I think that's the conviction, right? Because we talk yeah. about wanting to transform our communities, our society, make us a place where people are more accepted and, you know, we understand each other and we can, you know, celebrate all of the things that humans bring to the world. Yeah. Um, you can't do that when, you know, when you have these infrastructures in our communities. And I think, yeah, I'm more and more convinced, you know, white people need to do that work to fight white supremacy because, you know, we created it and it helps us and we benefit from it, whether we like it or not, or we think we do or don't.
2: Right. And I think once something that I've seen happen in discussions with my kids and their friends is when kids, um, so when kids first start to think about what racism is, Mm -hmm. a lot of times, the definition that they will naturally arrive at on their own is that racism is an individual act of meanness. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, and this is, it's not, I mean, it's very, it's a very natural assumption Mm -hmm. for them to make. And Mm -hmm. part of it, I think, is really related to this culture that we have around bully, (laughs) anti-bullying education, which is very Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Um, My kids take part in it. And when kids are really invested in seeing themselves as an ally, They're really invested in seeing themselves as someone who would never do something like that. Mm -hmm. But it really feeds into this idea that racism is an individual act Mm -hmm. of meanness because when we think about the way kids are taught about bullying, bullying is something Mm -hmm. that one person does to another person or a small group Mm -hmm. does to another small group. And then kids think, I'm not mean. I'm an ally. I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And then that really easily becomes this definition of racism as – racism is
1: something that racists Inter- interpersonal, do interpersonal and it's yep only for racists yep. yeah racist
2: is something racism yeah. is something that individual racists do it's an individual act of meanness but we're not racist and we wouldn't do that so let's mm-hmm. go out for ice cream yeah. you know like yeah. you really yeah, don't have to is, yeah. and mm-hmm. it really exempts everyone and i think that kids are old enough mm-hmm. to hear that racism, you know, from a pretty young age, Mm -hmm. old enough to start talking about systemic racism. But the way that I think about it more is, um, my kids understand the word pattern sometimes mm. more than they understand the word system. Yeah, Maybe that's good. If with younger kids. Mm-hmm. So, like with the because they talk about patterns in math, they talk about patterns all the yeah, time
0: on your shirt. You know, yeah, yeah. So. yeah.
2: They start to recognize patterns, and yeah, and, mm-hmm. and it's a really that's, that's something you want to promote as a parent. It's a it's good, it's healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sign of intelligence to recognize patterns. And so, when you start to say, okay, but this is a pattern of behavior that um, exists throughout our country's history. Mm -hmm. that it can be something that they can start to grasp a little bit more easily. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's something that we have to be pretty intentional about as parents Mm -hmm. because they
1: come by these definitions um, really, really naturally. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of being proactive instead of reactive in our parenting, and that also models to them how to be proactive instead of reactive in social situations Mm -hmm. and in the classroom and on the playground. And um, if we approach it, and front load with information and education, and then it doesn't become about responding to individual meanness, or the, the conversation has already been pre framed around right understanding yeah. this um, Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I really love how you're kind of just putting out that advice. Like I, I know a number of our listeners are parents and then obviously some are not as well. But just like the concrete things mm-hmm. that you're hinting at or you're saying that people can do to, to, to facilitate these conversations. Yeah. Um, is there any other uh, outside of, you know, reading your work, obviously, and, and going in and, and taking part in those conversations um, when you think about other steps that parents, white parents can take with their kids? Is there anything else that kind of comes to mind? Um, that you want to put out there that people really need to be aware of and do?
2: Sure. Um, When I interviewed Erin Jones Mm -hmm. for one of my articles, she's great. And she made the point that it's important to talk about when we talk about race with our kids, it's important to talk about the difference between race and culture and Mm -hmm. ethnicity. And that is an important point because it does come up a lot and mm. and now kids will have these opportunities through school to explore their own cultural heritage and yeah. we talk a lot about our everyone's getting their dna tested and it just talk, it comes up all the time yeah. um but mm. that is something that is important when we talk about race as a mm. social construct it's really tough for a lot of people to grasp mm. that yeah. if they don't understand the difference between mm. what Race is, and how that differs from culture and how that differs from ethnicity. Mm-hmm. and and also that um, when I talk to parents or and even experts in this space, um one thing that people don't seem to want to talk about as much with kids is the concept of uh, white privilege mm-hmm. because it is so nuanced. Um, and that's really the work that white parents need to do mm-hmm. is talking about white privilege because we cannot ask, um, an educator of color to get up mm. in front of a room full of white people and, and yeah. talk. And th- it, there's too much hostility there around white privilege. But I think, and I think kids can start to embrace this at an earlier age than we think because kids mm. have this really deep sense of fairness and justice they are everything's about fairness you know yeah, and so yeah, it's really easy true. to start talking yeah. with young kids about well what does fairness really mean um what is does fairness mean everybody gets the same what if you had more to begin with you know and mm-hmm. so it's these discussions can happen pretty naturally i mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. and you don't have to it doesn't have to be um, necessarily linked to a, a huge discussion about oppression, but it can just start coming up in these conversations around privileges that, that you know, that mm-hmm. exist. Um, and that that's the work that I feel the most, um, I guess, urgency around as mm-hmm. a white parent, because um, that's really where
1: we need to move the needle. <laughs> yeah. I agree with everything you just said. In the context of the school day, when I teach about civil rights in U.S. history because I teach U.S. history and government and passive-taught government. And so when these issues about civil rights come up, always there's a question about a student will ask, if they haven't been in Miss Teague's English class, mm-hmm. will ask what's the difference between race and ethnicity. I don't understand. or And I had a student two years ago just on the edge of her seat wanting to know. And then when we were done talking about it, her saying, why have I never learned about this before? And I'm like, that's a great question. I'm not sure. I so I cover it every year. I cover. We talk about race and ethnicity in my classroom, but it shouldn't be juniors in high school in tears. Like, right. why have I never learned about this before? Yeah. So I feel right. like that's a. Um, we see that in the high school. So.
0: So yeah. It's really hard to. To, I think a lot of adults don't even know the difference, and I, I sometimes find as a teacher, I'm like, "How do I explain this in a, a simpler way, or like a way that's in a student-friendly way?" Yeah, yeah, and that's also going to um, stick, I guess, and yeah. be really like replicable. So, right. how do you um, explain the difference to your kids or other people's children?
2: Well, so race is something that is kind of a invented thing. You know, it's kind of a social construct because biologically we are also similar, um, but it is a way that that governments, I, I just say it's a way that governments use to describe people.
1: Yeah. I, I, that's what I say. Mm-hmm. Um so you fill out a government form and it asks for your, <laughs> right, That's those are the categories, yeah. right? Yeah, but
2: that it, it impacts the your identity, right, Absolutely. the way that you're going to move yeah. through the world. Race is part of your identity. Um, it's going to impact the way that that you move through the world, the way that your classmates mm-hmm. move through the world mm-hmm. and um, the way that they interact with the people and the spaces around them. So that's how I talk about race. And then Culture is really the things that you value, um, you know, and so we can have a culture that um, – w- culture we have more say over, you know, mm-hmm. like culture mm-hmm. is something that we can inform a little bit more. And then, um, and then you know, ethnicity mm-hmm. is um, something that's really related to, I guess – I'm kind
1: of struggling on that one. Heritage or family? <laughs> yeah. 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 it's heritage.
2: Well, I was talking to a friend who
1: grew up Students always bring up food when we talk about it. Yes, They're like it's part of my yeah. my family's experience of like food or holidays or dance or music or yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's also overlaps with culture in a big way, but
2: yeah. A friend was talking about traveling to Mexico and mm-hmm. how as a, that he did a lot growing up and that he uh, was raised never to say the word Mexican because mm-hmm. that was racist, and I was like, "But Mexican isn't even a race. Like, yeah. so, like
1: <laughs> Mexico is a place. Yeah, <laughs> people from Mexico are Mexican. And, yeah, that's yeah. 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 So
2: I think I've... it's like, how can that be racist? Because that's it's it just, but, yeah, okay. yeah. It's funny because all
0: yeah kids will say something like, "Well, that's racist," and I like, "Well, actually, let's talk about what is racist. Identifying." Uh, you know, a, a place of origin yeah. is not the racist thing. What's the like talking about? It isn't what's racial racist. racial.
2: Conversations are not racist. <laughs> yes, exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that separating that yeah. that racial conversations yes. can can promote growth. Yeah, um, and that that's not racism. No, um, no,
1: and not. Yeah. but
2: we of course were
1: raised never to talk about those types of mm-hmm. things. It's like how we we've talked about this before on the show, but how sometimes white folks will well they'll hesitate to say the word black because they think that it's it, offensive, and so um well, let you'll let hear say it this awkwardly in the you know that's it exactly you'll like, hear it in like in um recording especially podcasts black. that uh, you know <laughs> black people right and it's it's that kind of awkward and we've all heard it and just haven't ever really confronted it and we you know even recently have just kind of. I've started noticing it a lot more because my black students don't do that. They don't pause on the word black and make it quiet and are embarrassed. They are talking about Mm -hmm. themselves. And so they're, you know, it's an issue for white folks to confront those things and say, why is it we treat that word differently? Mm -hmm. It's because we have this racialized um, kind of attitude around it that is negative. Right. And so we say it as if it's a bad word, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Right. Do they do they pause when they say white? Probably not. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah.
1: There just, you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, but sometimes <laughs> yeah. kind of, usually with um with Latino, they'll kind of stumble. Latina, Latina, Latinx, like they will get, you know, kind of fumble, but. Yeah. 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 Well, when you throw yeah. the gender
2: part of it in too, then right. it's like, okay, right. that, yeah. that's tricky. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, like just the fact that some groups get to not talk about it versus others get to talk about it and I, th- I think there's like a norm like a, a norm that happens with like white people where we don't say the word white even because we're just that's right. just it's assumed like that that's, that's assumed, the norm right? right and then that's why we get weird when we're like throwing these other words and then yeah. we're trying to understand like you said the difference between race right. and ethnicity and culture right. and we're like oh which word and in the white, northwest we're trying to be really white, nice right
1: if you think white is normative and yeah. that's what you assume is yeah. what is you know, the baseline for existing. Yeah. Right.
2: Well, and in
1: white fragility, I really Mm -hmm. appreciate
2: how, how Robin D'Angelo talks about embrace, you know, that we have to name whiteness, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think we have to start doing that with our kids pretty young because I think the ultimate goal would be by the time they're in their teens that they're ready to Mm -hmm. talk about, what does it mean to be anti-racist? What mm-hmm. does it mean to have an anti-racist white identity? And mm-hmm. if you've never even encountered the the belief that uh, of yourself as a white person, if you've never even thought about your own whiteness, mm-hmm. right. how are you going yeah. to do that? How could you possibly yeah. begin to do that? Mm-hmm. And so it's layering on some of these things where you just are maybe using the words white and black
1: mm-hmm. at home,
2: and, you know, in just in conversation with your kids. Mm-hmm. And then they, they don't have that kind of hesitation. Yep um that yeah. they're thinking about themselves as a white person and what does it mean to move through the world as a white mm-hmm. person i think that's just i guess what i try and do with my kids is mm-hmm. to think about what it means to w- move through the world mm-hmm. as a white person mm-hmm. that leads to a lot of conversations yeah. um and they're based in you know in our experiences so they're uh, valid to them
0: yeah That's good. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we wrap up, is there anything um, that you were thinking that you haven't said or that you think would be helpful for listeners in approaching parenting while being white or being white parents?
1: Parenting while white. Parenting while white.
2: You know, I think, as I mentioned before, that our kids are absorbing these stereotypes, whether we want them to or not. And I think Mm -hmm. one way that... Parent, white parents are really trying and and maybe having getting some traction is providing counter narratives to the stereotypes mm, that our kids are seeing, and so that's where some of these books and stories can come in yeah. and be really helpful. And it's not just um, you know uh, the hero worship of athletes or um, mm. you know of celebrities, yeah. but really just um, more everyday. Mm-hmm. So looking at art and music and books and people in your child's life and um, as you mentioned I think in our interview on the topic I'm just talking about black excellence and talking about um, somebody's race as a positive Mm
1: -hmm. attribute of
2: who they are Mm -hmm. um, you know makes it I think something approachable that people can Mm -hmm. do Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Um, I'm really into some Netflix series that I think Um, Just show like daily life of different races and different cultures Mm -hmm. and ethnicities. And um, I've talked before on the show about Kim's Kim's convenience and just like the way that Mm -hmm. like sometimes Canadian television is approaching and taking some risks on quote unquote risks on TV shows and some of these things. And I think about how different it is to see that representation and then like how do we how do we make that just like. Yeah, that's just part of it and and yeah. giving exposure to kids. I think television can be one positive I way like, to do that. Right.
1: And yeah. the public library, I mean, librarians are amazing. I a lot of our books that we get for our son that we check out from the library are um, – the one we got recently was called Our Children Are Beautiful. And I don't know who the author is, but it's a board book and it's all um, black and mixed race children and just talking about um, what it means to be – Beautiful or interesting looking, or um, to have uh, the to love the skin you're in, and just having just visual cues, right? And because our son is 18 months old, but he will he has books that he likes. He will sit still for certain books. He will sit on my lap and look at the pictures. He'll point at the moon. He'll point at the boat. <laughs> he'll point he'll point at the donkey, right? But having if you get those books in rotation that have diverse characters, that's going to be foundational to – you know he already has the skill of sitting and looking at his favorite books so get those ones in the rotation that that show diverse skin tones and um cultural experiences right and
2: yeah. and that you have to keep doing it because the Absolutely. kids go through this thing where it's kind of like they go through this developmental spurt and mm-hmm. then it's almost like they wipe the slate clean and you're right. like wait a sec what we the already heck? covered this <laughs> you know and so like we were i was swimming with my son last weekend and, um there was a person with a disability um mm. in the swim or there was, Um, we were swimming at the same time as kind of like a swim for exceptional kids type of a thing. And um, my son was irritated that there were these people in the pool that were making a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we've talked about this. Like, you know, like, really, do we have to go back over this? Like, you have to keep on Mm -hmm. addressing these topics with your kids because they will forget because you will discover that something that you thought was pretty firmly in there is not. And, you know, they keep growing and and so you have to start thinking about this. And and one other thing that I wanted to say that I haven't said, I think, is that I think as parents, you know, there's this culture, the culture of individualism, mm. right, That um, mm. that is in mm. a strong theme in uh, white fragility, um, that we need to counter this culture of individualism mm. um, that upholds racism and white Mm. supremacy, it's a very strong tenant of parenting culture as well, Mm. that our kids are individuals, that they are these special little snowflakes and that that they are just completely unique and that anything that isn't really directly in their best interest is maybe something we don't want to do. Mm. So when Mm. we think about talking to our kids about racism, sometimes I feel like the unspoken question in the room is... But how is this going to benefit my child, mm. mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, if my child is not—I mean, let's be honest—like that's really what a lot of people wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, or is this going to put my child in harm's way um, if they are standing up yeah. for a classmate? Is this yeah, going that's... to be something that destroys their innocence? Are they going to—and this—they're going to um, this, they're gonna suffer if they know mm. about the way that the world really is, and this destroys their innocence. And why would I want to do that? Giving your kids um, the tools to build racial competency mm-hmm. is something that will directly benefit them. Yep. they you're going you're going to be helping them with something that they are guaranteed to grapple with mm-hmm. through their life. Um they want to know what your values are. Mm. And it is just the jumping off point for so much growth um, that to miss that opportunity is something that is doing your children a disservice. So, mm. it's not about well, you know, it's great for the parents who have the bandwidth to raise these social justice warriors, but I just don't have that mm. or I can't do that. It's this is something that will directly benefit your child, not only the world mm. that your child lives in, but actually have
0: real benefits for mm. your child and your yeah. family as well. That's good. Yeah. It's kind of a great place to Absolutely. to end on. Yeah. Uh, final segment? Do your fudging homework.
1: Interchangeable. White
0: ladies! So, uh, one of the things that comes to mind for homework for today, I was thinking about um, the video that delineates race, ethnicity, and nationality through using jelly beans. Um, And it's a really concrete way to think about groupings and it's a really cute little video you but get also jelly actually, beans at the end you could yeah <laughs> I think about how you could I actually have thought about using it in my class not just watching it because we, we do but yeah. um, actually like ha- doing the activity with jelly beans or something similar and um, it's a nice way to,
1: to make it really concrete for kids yeah um, hey. I found an interesting blog article I feel like this is sort of a. Um, I'm not going to judge this person for what they named their blog but it's from the Barefoot Mommy blog um, th- um that was supposed to be funny, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> ha, ha, oh, hi, well, hey, you hi. know, the, the mommy blogs, it'll, it, there's like a thousand variations on the mommy blog where it's like the barefoot mommy blog, the happy mommy blog. The, and so I just like maybe it's, it's like, should, really? Let, let me see her. Maybe, feet. yeah, yeah, I bet you yeah. you're on wearing sometimes, you sometimes you're wearing socks or sandals or whatever flip flops. Um, anyway, so, um, this is kind of a trope in the the mom parenting blog n- naming s- situation, um, but there's a great resource on the Barefoot Mommy blog called Anti-Racism Resources for Parents mm-hmm. and Teachers, and there's some great books and um, website links on there, and I just recommend checking it out. Um, and because it's inclusive of teachers, for our teacher listeners to go check it out as well. If you don't have kids, it's a good place. It's a good place to get information.
0: Do you have any recommendations?
1: Yeah, um, there's a new book just out
2: last month called Better With Books by Melissa Hart, and it is a huge compilation of books for, I think, I would say 10 and up um, about a lot of the issues that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. um, race and ethnicity, there's immigration, there's um, adoption, there's body image, there's sexuality, and I am embarking on reading these books with my daughter and it's been fun because like i just let her flag the books that she was interested in so there's Mm -hmm. these post-it notes in here and just it's been kind of interesting to see as a parent you know what she's drawn to and Mm -hmm. then i can just use that as my list and start working Mm -hmm. my way down and and Mm -hmm. reserve those books at the library Um, but as we mentioned before books can be a really approachable way to start thinking about these topics mm. with mm. our kids and that they can also be instructive for us. So one of the books that she talks about is um, The Hate You Give. Mm. And that, mm. that's a young adult, mm. you yeah. know, but that's that so that parents reading these things with their kids, can it can be something not just, it's not just learning for your kid. You guys are learning together, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on yeah, the show. Thank you. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way to do that?
2: Uh, through my website at maliajacobson.com
0: excellent awesome again thanks for coming on the show thank you so much thank you bye Bye. the interchangeable white ladies podcast is
1: part of the channel 253 network listen to our other podcasts move to Tacoma nerd farmer citizen Tacoma crossing division founders B team we Art Tacoma and Taco Man and so we just kind of like laid on the stairs and just like sipped water and tried to exist (laughs) Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly by Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com.
2: This is Channel 253.